Uh, and all, welcome to the latest Fearless in Devotion. Now, um, just before we start, I, I I don't know if anyone's ever seen that Simpsons episode where uh, where Mr. Burns gets gets um, gets the baseball team together, and a, a series of unfortunate incidents seem to happen to every single member. Well, that's what's happened to the Fearless in Devotion team today. Liam Liam's out on a on a um, a walk with his family. That's fair enough. Tim's dog's sick, so let's all all send our. Uh, Send our, our, our love to, to Dutch, the, the Dutch sound. And I don't know where Reese is. It's like he's fallen into a giant hole. It's either, either that or, or he's gone to France for the, for the Rugby World Cup. So carrying on that sort of Simpsons analogy, we have our very own Daryl Strawberry here in, in a guest in Ian Herbert, who is deputy <laughs> uh, chief sports writer at the Daily Mail. He's a longtime Wrexham fan, and he's he's got a book coming up, which we'll sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on later. But first, I think the uh, the burning question, Ian, is giant hole in the ground or France? Um, I don't know. I mean, you're never sure with climate change what might happen. So there might be a giant hole somewhere. But if it, if it creates an opening for me, you know, you've got to take your openings in life. So uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm a massive fan of, of, of all your work, Phyllis and Devotion. Great to be on. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no, no. Thank, no, no. Really, really glad to have you on. Now, before we sort of get into your book, that's, it's been, it, it, I mean, I'm going to say it's, it's, been, it's been a busy week. It's always a busy week. Um, but especially with the transfer window, there's, there's been a lot happening. Uh, let's start with the match yesterday. Um, I, uh, we were just discussing how, how, how hard it is to get tickets and neither of us were able to go yesterday just because, you know, we can't get them. Same for Stockport. Uh, you know, I, as I was saying to, to to Ian, it's sort of like part of me sort of thinking, you know, I, I suffered. I was there brain tree away well, four times, one where it was called off just before. Um, you know, do I, do I deserve a ticket? Well, probably not not more than anyone else, really, because there's a there's a real sort of lot of interest around around Wrexham at the moment. And, you know, we'll be churlish to sort of be annoyed with people who, who want to go. But match wise, I managed to see it. Uh, I don't know if you did, Ian. Was, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you get it on the on the eye follow, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great, solid performance, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I, I, so I've, I've been away covering the Women's World Cup um, for the for the Mail who I work for, and that so I kind of missed the start of the season in many ways. I did did watch the streams, obviously watched the start of the NK Dons game, and just wondered what <laughs> what kind of a league we'd stumbled into, really, and like what you know there was a lot of this talk about you know us being favourites for League Two and stuff, and it's, it has felt a bit bumpy, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I was really encouraged by it, um, and also by the Bradford game in midweek, which, you know, I think we we could we could get tickets for perhaps. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it just sort of felt like, um, I mean, one of the things that F Parky seems to be talking about is just the physicality. We haven't quite been getting been measuring up to the physicality in League Two, mm. um, and. Um, you know, there, there were two games where I thought we, we really did. I mean, we we did look physical enough. Um, but uh, yeah, James McLean really just just for me. Yeah, that, that is the one. I mean, what what a player. I mean, a, a Tuesday night. You know, I mean, you just felt like he's going to get sent off a few times this season, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Because he does not. He likes to tackle, doesn't he? He's right yeah. in there. But what what a player. What a, what a, what an acquisition for us. And I think mm -hmm. that could be. I mean, not just the skill, the talent. He, he, you know, he's, he's pointing, you know, he's pointing players out to where they should be, but just the physicality. But he made a big difference, and again yesterday. No, no, I, I agree completely. We, I mean, I was going to sort of mention McLean, but you know, it's, it's, 
you wanted you wanted another leader on the pitch. And I think earlier in the, in the season, we didn't have Luke Young wasn't playing. Um, you know, McLean wasn't available. And, and you sort of thought that we couldn't really stand up to... To, to a lot of League Two teams. But now I think he's he's changed the mix a little bit in midfield with O'Connor coming in, Young coming back in, yeah. and, and Lee giving more of a, a of a free role. And I think that's worked. That's solidified us. Uh, yeah. to, you know, I, I think Luke Young, for, for all his sort of supposed faults, is key to us. He drives yeah. us forward. Yeah. You know? There's something about Luke Young that makes me feel a bit emotional, really, because in a sense... He has been there all along, hasn't he? Through you know the really difficult, the brain trees, the the Eastleys, you know the the door, you know Dawkins or whatever. And um, I slightly worried for him, as I'm sure we all did, you know, last season when he sort of dropped out with the team. And um, you know, I, I, I love Luke Young. Um, and <laughs> if I might, if I might just make that statement, Have you want ten pints, Ian? Are you? Uh... <laughs> I love Luke Young. He's going to the bar. It's barely lunchtime, but you know, it's, I think a lot of people will will go would would feel the same. That great to see him, you know, front and centre really, and playing such a key role and and retain and you know getting his place and, and being and really earning that place. No, so, and, and no one can say he hasn't because he's been through it. He could have, you know, he could have left in the summer. He could he yeah. could have seen what's coming in and thought, right, am I going to make this team? Maybe Parky doesn't rate me. You know, Torquay away where you know it's it's a big club to him. He didn't even he didn't come on or anything the last yeah. game of the season and I yeah. sort of thought then I went oh you know that's a uh, that's a bit wrong I think we would won yeah. the league it's an important game for, for Luke Young and his family not to bring him on I thought oh well, there could be trouble here this this summer but I agree with stayed, you Andy. I agree with you totally yeah yeah, yeah. he stayed he knuckled down yeah. and now I would say he's probably one of the first names on the team sheets because yeah. he just makes us tick now maybe George Evans and we might come on to the well, well we will yeah. come on to the signings in a bit maybe that's another challenge for him you know the, a big defensive mid uh but you know Luke Young has had a lot of challenges and he's seen them all he's seen them all off and yeah. you know his set plays are just next level and I think when you you know when you've got him and Tom O'Connor delivering from either side I think this, you know the, the the size we've got, and one thing I was going to say is how good is it to see to Aaron Hayden back? I mean, I yeah, I, 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 yeah, I worried we, about we it. My brother Pete and I were just saying that on Tuesday night. You know, just immense, just so that was so good. That was so good. Um, yeah. And um, what what a presence! What a presence! And you just hope that he can, you know, after having successive seasons, you know, with losing him at the key part of the season, that we can you know that we that doesn't happen again. Immense. Yeah. And I think generally, I just. I think a lot. I think a lot of us don't. We feel that um, we just hope that the players who've got us up, you know, you know, like like Luke. I mean, Aaron obviously would would, would be a would, would be a shoe in every week. But uh, you mentioned Tom O'Connor there. He's just such a lovely player, such a gifted yeah. midfield player. I mean, never mind him playing sort of centre half in really hard games when he's been injured last season. But just a, you know, there was a few moments yesterday. We just got such a gift, and um, that some of these players that. Have taken us on the journey out of the out of the national league can stay with us because I think for a lot of us whatever lies for me whatever lies ahead I mean mm. that that Boreham Wood game last season that that promotion it was more than a promotion wasn't it there was something symbolic about it it was it was ending the kind of the injustice of that a lot of us felt and I, it would just be fantastic if you know quite a lot of those players can can make can can be part of the journey as they say these days. You know, can stay, can stay uh, part of the team. You know, I know what you mean. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was the end of oh, I don't know thirteen years of fourteen years of hurt. But yeah. you know, it, in many ways, it would have been purer to get up as a fan owned club. 
Um, yeah. But we did, you know, we, we did it in the next in the next best way, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, that doesn't make it any less of an achievement, the fact that we spent, we spent so much money doing it. Um, I mean, when we sort of look at the development of the team and, and, you know, you sort of say that some... Not all of not all these players will come with us uh, as we look to go through the leagues. Now, yeah. there was one signing that didn't actually make it. We might go well. We will go more into the ins and outs of why that didn't happen. But Luke Armstrong. So um, people were saying, did we need Luke Armstrong? You know, is he? Uh, he's, he scored 16 goals last term. Um, is he? Is he the sort of player that we we should be breaking our transfer record for? Well, I sort of think that. The player like Luke Armstrong is the next set, step in our in our sort of evolution. So when Parkey came in, he didn't have really a midfield he was happy with and wanted to play a target man. So he brought in the likes of Oli Palmer. Now I think it's a bit different. You saw yesterday and you were talking about Tom O'Connor, like we want to play football. So if you're moving away from the target man, you need an all action um, front man who's really going to occupy defenders and make space for the likes of Mully McLean or whoever else is coming in. I, and I did. I think Luke Armstrong was that player. I don't know if you've seen much of him at all, but from what I can see in the highlights, I mm. thought that was our next step of our, our our evolution, really. And it's 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 quite a, it's quite annoying we didn't manage to get him. I mean, do you sort of have any sort of insight in what happens in those sort of last sort of minutes? While how this could have gone wrong? Yeah, I, I, I don't know the in, I don't know the in, the ins and outs of that deal really. But I mean, obviously, I think mean, you and I both know as 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 reporters, you know, uh, uh, you know. Uh, in the media that you know a lot of stuff can happen it can just be um can, can, you know a contractual issue or it could be the player you know as you get towards the end of a window that you know yeah. clubs just want that bit more and it just all falls down and um i, I just i just don't know i mean i've it, it's it's not a bottomless pit for wrexham in a sense is it because there are financial fair play rules coming into play now and i think that's why yeah. they tried to do quite a lot of buying in uh, in the National League, where the regime is more benign, and they they were able to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, the new sponsorship deals will 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 help to bring in the revenue to offset the cost. But but I just I just don't know. And I mean, I, I just don't know how some of it happens. I I kind of get the feeling that with some of the way that the strikers have been bought, it's not really necessarily been a plan. It's not right. been planning. So I mean, I don't know. You know, so 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 Ollie Palmer, for example. I mean, I. That that I I I didn't get the feeling talking to Les Reed, for example, for the book that that was kind of right. We we definitely want to buy that target man in 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 the January of that season. It was just that, you know, we, we weren't really fully on it in in the, in the first half of the season that stopped yeah. up. Um, there was definitely a bit of disagreement about whether they wanted to sign um, Palmer. They were, you know, they, behind the scenes that it wasn't you know unanimous. Mm. Um, um, but there was the feeling that. This could just get us. This could be the difference, you know. And obviously, Palmer is not going to be with us forever. You know, he's not. You know, he's he's not the youngest. And we are we are just. I think I suppose what the season's shown us is just how reliant on on moles we are. And mm. and that 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 doesn't sort of seem quite right in a way. You know, you can't you can't flourish if you sort of so wholly dependent on on a forward. But where does Waters fit in? I mean, I don't know. He he doesn't so far hasn't looked like the guy who's going to score is 30 goals so no. um, yeah no, so it's where that deal fell down I I, I I don't know what happened but it certainly feels to me like if, if you were going to decide where you were going to invest you know a, a big chunk of the money you've got you would say you want another striker who's going to really 
not guarantee your goals, but it was going to be able to do it for you in the way that you describe. Yeah, I've got a bit of insight. Uh, so we have a snout on our on our on our show, a guy called Wonder Boy, who I think the club are trying to track down. He's got a I, theme I like tune. Yeah. He's got he's got a theme tune. Who the, the others insist that I play before each each little bit. So right, okay, there we go. Right, that's plenty <laughs> enough. Enough of that. Oh, I can't turn it off. Uh, <laughs> all right, okay. So this is this is these are his thoughts on it. Armstrong was due at the ground late morning. Medical personal terms, media work all done. Harrogate dragged their heels as they wanted to bring in new signings. We had little or no time uh, time to get the paperwork sorted, and we took way too long. Harrogate and Welsh FA were told it should be done by ten forty-five. 11.50 was when it was completed and sent out. All parties are appealing for international transfer, which would allow us to have an extra hour to, to complete the deal. Uh, it was a record amount, around half a million, including um, add-ons. We knew Harrogate were, weren't going to go for anything less than, than that number, so in many ways we left it too late. I mean, do you think we left it a bit late to tie up a deal, a deal like that? We, we, we've known that Mullins been injured since, since July. I mean, is that, is that just trying to get a little bit off the price or, or to, to see if other options became available? Yeah, well, I, I, just, don't know the, I just don't know the ins and outs of it. I mean, mm. interesting, interesting sort of information there. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But, I mean, when you get towards the last day of the window, you, you know, you're always, you know, you, you're always in that kind of risk of something falling down that, you know, the other, the other club decide they need that player that much more. Or, you know, you're always, you're in that slightly in the lap of the gods. I mean, at any level, aren't you? I mean, what the reason why City have been so successful at Premier League is because, you know, they they just identify signing so early and do it so early. So, yeah. and I suppose you know, no one expected us to go to San Diego and for Paul to suffer that horrific injury. So, I mean, that was obviously quite relatively uh, short amount of time after that. And if you're going to spend that kind of money, you know, would they have identified a player at that at that cost? Um, you know, in advance, I don't know. I would have thought going into the season, if I were, um, you know, the executives at Wrexham, I would have thought that, you know, Moles plus Dolby, who'd looked very good last season, plus yeah. Palmer, um, plus Waters, who I suppose was a bit untested, that and would have been staff. enough. Yeah, and Bickerstaff as well, yeah. And of course, of course, Bickerstaff, who's looked, who, who I thought against Bradford just looked physically not, strong enough he was getting knocked off too quickly but i mean he 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 could evolve really the waters one really puzzles me because you know we didn't really see anything anything of him last season and there seemed to be this vague idea that you know he he was a player for for the, for this season but we start the season and he, he, as i say he just doesn't look like a 20 30 goal a season no. player so um, yeah. but we discover in that now so i don't know i think anything which comes down to the last 24, 48 hours of, of a transfer window is kind of you're slightly in the lap of the gods. No, I know. And I, I mean, Waters, I can also understand if Molly was carrying injury. But then again, you know, we, we did this thing of giving everyone two or three year deals. I mean, some players don't need don't need that 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 amount of time on their contract. You know, some some like Elliot Lee and, you know, Aaron Hayden, you, you definitely would. But I'm not sure we do need to give it to everyone. And I think Waters may be, may be the example there. Now, Another two signings we made, George Evans, who started at City, um, a couple of sort of big moves, played at Derby and then a sign from Millwall, um, defensive mid who can also play at the back. Um, I don't know if you know anything about him. Um, I've seen a bits and pieces of him. He looks a very tidy player. I do sort of think we did need a defensive mid. Um, um, but, you know, as we said, Luke Young can probably see him off there. But maybe, maybe yeah. he's... Uh, 
maybe he's more of a long-term replacement for for, for Toza because you do need that sort of ball-playing centre-half, don't you? Uh, I I came across him a little bit when 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 he was at City, when we we were covering a bit of academy stuff there. And, um, you know, he was one of those players who was really very much being talked about by the national press as, you know... uh, you know, as 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 a, as a as a great prospect for City for the future. So, you know, and I think it's great if we're buying players who can be with us for you know two two or three years, four years, you know, and can evolve under us. Then, then fantastic. Um, I suppose there are. I suppose you just need kind of options, don't you? Because um, I mean, Andy Cannon, who I, I love, has got he's got a great gift, a great a, you know great skills, but he can be knocked off. Yeah, can't be knocked out of possession. I think. I mean, there were games even last season with the Halifax game away, where you know that he he did struggle in that game. Obviously, there are games where he brings an awful lot to us. So I suppose it's just about having having the options. Um, such so a great squad, isn't it? Really young. <laughs> uh, it's such a great squad. I mean, you I mean, kind of pinch yourself sometimes. I mean, you know, yeah. we, you know, we're kind of we're talking about whether we're going to sign, uh, you know, Armstrong last day of the season. I mean, wow, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? It's like. It's just sort of slightly unbelievable, isn't it, the way we're even talking this way. But, you know, you would come back to the thing about the players who've got us to where we are. You know, how good would it be if, you know, we, we could have we could do have a feature re- very strongly this season with a lion's share of the contributors being yeah. those players from last season, that it can be canon, that it can be young. You know, um, it would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm, and I think part of the reason Stockport struggled so much uh, last season was they, they they changed everyone around as soon as they they got up. And I yeah. do think, I think we were clever with our long-term planning there. Now, of course, you know, as we've touched on, there are some players who've been bought for a specific job. Palmer was bought, Toza, and Toza to a certain degree, was bought to get us out of out of non-league. And they've done that. And now yeah. it's now we might be on the cusp of, to see whether we're, we're going to swap those around a bit. Um Another person who sort of who's come through and as much maligned in, in many ways is Mark Howard. Now, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how much, uh, if anything, you know about Arthur. Oh my God, O'Kong. Oh, oh, oh God, I, I'm I'm terrible yeah, at saying the, the new the new goalkeeper. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> big Arthur. I'm going to call him. Yeah, um, yeah, six foot six, and he's yeah, uh, and he's, you know he hasn't like... come in to, to to sit on the bench, is he? So I think yeah. Howard's place. Is under threat again. Yep. I can't see, really say that Howard's done much wrong in the in the games no. he's come in. No, Foster. Um, it's a be. I'll be interested to see if they play the keeper, the new keeper, on Tuesday because I don't really think you'll get much of a read off that game because I think it will no. be pretty much a scratch side. Um, but you know, it, it, would it be tough on Howard if he lost his place to to the new lad next league game around? Well. I mean, it would on the basis of this season, I think. And it's something Mark Griffith said on commentary yesterday, you know, just how well Mark had played and 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 and, and what an, how impressive that had been coming back into the team, you know, having really effectively, you, you thought it was over for Mark, didn't you, with, yeah. with Foster? And, you know, and it's great, you know, the super Mark Howard in goal. It, I don't know, I haven't been to that many games this season, but I did hear it on Tuesday and there was definitely a little bit of that going off yesterday and, and I, and I just yeah, thought, I you know, what, what, how class, how class was Howard when Foster came in? You know, let, let's yeah. not forget that. What, 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 what an individual to, you know, the, the, the grace and the kind of, you know, team, team you know, collegiate. I think that's why he's so popular. He's, yeah, he's really yeah, popular behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah. However, I do remember I, I went went to the Maiden dead away last season, and 
I mean, there was that sort of kind of terrible gaff right at the end from him where yeah. we ended up drawing the game. And, you know, I think it was that day Notts County had also drawn and the three points that day would have, you know, could have made a difference. So, I mean, he's shown that he does potentially does have mistakes in him. So let's just see what um, what, what what the new guy... <laughs> Um, what, big what, offer. What, what, he's got, what he's got to offer because you know we will be we, we've seen in the M, in the MK Dons game you know we're going to be up against some very strong sides and you know we're going to need you know some real elite goalkeeping there and um, I mean that could be the difference so harsh, harsh in a sense but um, I always felt that if Foster hadn't stayed you know we were we were going to need um, you know. It, you know, a, a really good keeper, perhaps to take us through the next yeah. two or three years, a young keeper. Um, Langton is the one you've got your heart aches for because, oh. you know, I, I, I talking about people I love, um, yeah. you know, I think we'd all feel the same about him. And, um, you know, what, what, what terrible misfortune he's had, you know, with injury. And the irony of that being what he talked about in the first series of documentary, for, you know, for God's sake, you know, and, um, it would be brilliant if he would be part of this journey, but um, it, it looks like we're not going to see him. No, I know. I mean, every time he seems to be getting fit, something something mm. happens. All right, Ian, I want to get onto your book, and I'm going to read a part of the blurb from it. Um, I'm not I'm not going to read it all because it's absolutely massive, but <laughs> it, it is part of it. A very long so, part. Yeah. <laughs> so the book is called Tinseltown, Hollywood and the Beautiful Game, a match made in Wrexham. Uh, Tinseltown is the story of this extraordinary, unpredictable and often surreal football takeover and the remarkable events that followed. Written with the full cooperation of Wrexham FC, it's the inside story of what happened when Hollywood met a dot on the map, how a town was transformed and when its football club, aspiring to survive in the fifth rung of British football ladder was sprinkled with gold dust and found ambition again. With a unique access to key figures, the book charts the club's attempts to climb up the pyramid, providing a vivid sense of what's it like to play for this Hollywood team and the pressure that comes with it. Right. Sounds great. It's, it's already out, isn't it, Ian? It's out. It was, it was published on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, yeah. Put, we'll put a link in, in to buy on, on this. Thank you. Um, a lot. Thanks. Just, just before we get into the bones of it, well, so what? Take us back. What, what was your arc as a fan? I mean, you, are you from Osra Street Way originally? Yeah, that's from Chirk, actually. That's that's that's. Oh, that's, that's fine. That's the right yeah. side of the border. Just the right side of the border. Uh, so yeah, you know, and and um, you know, like like so many of us, you know, listeners, you know, started watching the team when I was so what seventy eight. It was seventy seven, seventy eight season. Oh, uh, good one. Yeah, Griffiths, Les Cartwright, all. Bobby Shinton, a young Mickey Thomas and all that. And um, yeah, and and um, I, I suppose, uh, you know, I sort of had spells drifted away from watching the team perhaps a bit more and then get back into watching the team more. I've always lived, you know, within an hour's uh, distance of, of town, so I've never been far to go, um, plus obviously family out that way also. Um, but one of the things, so yeah, so, and then I worked for the... Um, I've been in newspapers for about 30 years. Um, I worked for the did Daily you, Post. Did you, start, did you start the leader? or what started at the, at the Liverpool Daily Post, or so the Daily okay, Post. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Daily Post and Echo in 89. And, wow. um, uh, My old paper as well. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I started there yeah. as well. And then they split it to the Welsh edition. Did you come across with that with Ali McRae or...? Yeah, I, I did. I worked for an editor called Keith Ely in the in the in the early nineties. I worked with um, a great mate of mine, Richard Williams, who's um, yeah. a lot of listeners will know. Who was really well, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, we were both kind of assistant editors on the Daily Post at the same time. Uh, Rich was the one who actually knew something about North Wales. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the, in, in those days, it, it was kind of called the Liverpool Daily Post, even the ones that sold, you know, in North Wales. But it was there was very much two editions then. Uh, mm. You know, it was very regionalised and um, it was a bit of a curiosity, really, because there we were in Old Hall Street, Liverpool, producing this paper every day. But really, the lion's share of our readership was like, you know, an hour's driveway, really. And the further... Well, the more, further I mean, Gwyneth, yeah, Gwyneth, yeah. Bang, uh, Anglesey, that's where it was real sort of heartland. Sure, really, you know, it? writers like David Greenwood and Ian Lang and Carl Butler, uh, Emmett Williams, you know, like, those were our news reporters in those days. And um, uh, they they knew North Wales in a way that, that, that I certainly didn't, Richard certainly did. Um, so, yeah, and then, and then the Liverpool edition of it then um, ultimately... Uh, we folded. There's no, there's no now. There's now no longer a Liverpool edition of the Daily Post. Um, but of course, the the, da the Daily Post itself became purely a, a North Wales paper, based. I think still at Llandino Junction. I think that's uh, where it, it was. was. I think. I think. Uh, uh, I don't think there's there's uh, a HQ per se anymore. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. went. They went to Colwyn Bay for a bit, and I think they 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 have rooms. But uh, I think it's as as most stuff is done now. Yeah, it, it's, totally. Yeah. The yeah. Pandemic sort of changed the face of journalism in many ways i yeah. mean i imagine you work work from home most uh most sure. of, uh, yeah yeah for um, sure yeah but i mean great and i you know i kind of never never resist the opportunity to sort of bang on about you know local papers regional papers it looks like we've both known it you know the, the the people who are absolutely the nuts and bolts of communities they know the people and um and for me Wrexham football club mark curry you know the the yeah like mark who a, a great man a great man um who how do you find his driving? Well, I think we've had this conversation before. I didn't actually. <laughs> I never sat in a car with Mark, so um, oh, well, I think you did. That's why you've kept your your youthful uh, youthful look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering his his wife was a driving instructor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but as you say, Mark was Mark was one of the you know wrote for the Daily Post for for years about Rex and was had a real authority about it, you know, and yeah. and knew the. Ins and outs of the clubs, and, and and sadly died just before this 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 sort of yeah. yeah yeah. I, I wonder, would he have liked it? I know he would have had no airs and graces with the likes of Ryan and Rob or Sean. Yeah, Hart, no, there was he? a certain kind of uh, it's not yeah. He was he was a dry yeah, there was a dry yeah. humor about that. I think you're probably right. That's why it'd be fascinating to know, wouldn't it? You know, so yeah 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 yeah. So that 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 and that and that was it. Then I then I kind of I've spent I've been sort of national papers on the Independent for. Um, for sort of nearly 20 years, I'm on the mail now and, and uh, you know, um, writing about sport has kind of meant I've not covered, been able to get to games as much as I'd like, but the last couple of years, a bit less of the doing the live stuff and writing football for the paper and the, the website and I'm more getting back to the race course, the, the Kairas, which has been fantastic. I mean, I see your brother there all the time, but just just to touch on on the mail and where where we are with Wrexham coverage now. I mean, obviously, I work in the, in the national for a national paper as well, and I would say probably out of your top four of Liverpool, Arsenal, United, maybe someone sneaking through like like Chelsea or or, or, or City, I'd say that that Wrexham is the club that most people are interested in after that, which yeah. sounds absolutely nuts, but it's such a rich. A rich story now, which I know you've sort of gone in and uh, gone in, in in length with the book. But it, it, you know, for us as as, as Wrexham supporting journalists, to to be able to write this amount, amount yeah. about our, our our hometown club is 
is absolutely it's astounding. It's, it's really, surreal, isn't it? isn't it? It's surreal. It's surreal. And I, I suppose, I suppose, in a way, what what I've tried to kind of get at um, in in kind of you know being able to write a book about it is to sort of to sort of try and point out that you know. Um, you know this the, the beauty of Wrexham and 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 the, and the individuals who make Wrexham the place it is, both the town and the club. You know, it, it, you know, Robin Ryan's arrival is not year dot. You know, yeah, the, the club was bought by Robin <clears throat> Ryan because the, the Wrexham Supporters Trust, you know, took out took out all the debt. Um, you know, they made it debt free. Um, you know, it it washed its face. Okay, money was tight pre COVID. We wonder where it was all going, but you know, unless it had been that financial landscape that Robin Ryan represented with, then they would not have bought the club. They would not mm. have invested that two million in the club. And then beyond beyond that, beyond the actual football club, I just think there is this sort of slight thing about you. You are right. There's this incredible appetite for all things Wrexham because of them. But um, there are just so many people in town who make the town great, who were doing it anyway. You know, yeah. just, you know. Um, you know, I'd like, like just just to take Josh Roberts from Wrexham Lager, for example. You know, who yeah, yeah. just at the point when when um, Robin Ryan was sort of in negotiations to buy the club, there there was Wrexham Lager. There was Josh come back to work for the, if you like, the family firm. You know, they just launched Bootlegger. Yeah. Um, you know, and then COVID hits, so they can't put Bootlegger into the shops, and suddenly, they, so they, they they go for direct sales, and the roof goes off the actual sales up. You know the everyone's buying Wrexham Lager and, and, and the mark, the way that was marketed and the way that was, that was kind of driven and, and with a brilliant product behind it by, as we yeah. all know, you know, so I wanted to try and get across the sense that this wasn't really a town that needed saving as such, you know, it wasn't the damsel in distress. It was, there was some brilliant people um, in, in our town and um, what Rob and Ryan, I think have done is kind of put a spring in, people step given us a little bit of self-confidence given us a sense that you know we're great there's a there's a fantastic beauty about Wrexham and and, and perhaps sometimes we needed reminding of it so just trying yeah. to kind of peel back from before before all of this kind of razzle dazzle started to to what we've had all along yeah it, I mean it is quite a dis- it's a very distinct place due to where it is I mean I know yeah of course, of course it's close to Liverpool of course it's close to Chester but it is the biggest town in, in a whole region uh, or a city now in the whole region. And I think it gives it a unique sort of perspective on things. But, you know, it, it's it, it does have that sort of industrial hub. It does have, you know, a, a rich heritage. But also, I think also, you know, there's beauty on the doorstep. I mean, well, you, yes, you, you and I, th- I think what I love about what I love about the kind of and, and, and you know, I think, by the way, I would just sort of forgotten to even look at this forgotten even to go into my own hometown I just go to the race course and then back home again you know yeah. too often you know and this has been a chance to sort of not do that to do a bit more but what, what I think I love about about the you know you know there's there's the underdog thing you know I mean Wales being the underdog in some ways mm. you know Wrexham being the underdog being the less not being the fancy Dan like Chester you know and the fact that you know, you drive along the bypass and you can easily miss Wrexham, can't you? Like, because you you get into, you come from the northwest as I do. You're into yeah. Wales, and as soon as you're into it, you're back into England again. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a sort of sort of a striving, I think, to um, to try to, to to sort of make yourself to make your beauty and make the brilliance of the place known. And there was something that that, that struck me. I was I spent a bit of time with um, 
um, with Sarah Hughes Jones, who's the local PC for for her her beat is the town centre, and uh, she I so I spent an, the evening just on the beat with her really after the after it was after the Dorking game I think last season. It's a bitterly cold night, and we we were just talking about. I was watching what her job looks like. She was talking to him and she was just sort of saying that just little things like, I mean, Chester's pubs came out of COVID restrictions before, before ours did. So suddenly a lot of people got in the habit of going to Chester rather than going into town. And, and Mm. we've actually never quite made that up again, you know, and just the little little battles that you fight and, 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 and yet what, what a great town it is really. So, um, all yeah. these things, and there's, I think, probably in the in the kind of the the madness of of writing about sport for any media, whether it's you know your your podcast, you know our website or whatever it might be, you can sometimes it's just not time to stop and look and say, well, what is what is this town? What, who are the people who are driving this town? You know, um, and and um, what are its what are its qualities? <laughs> no, I know what, I know what you mean, mate. I mean, I I moved out of Wrexham when I was eighteen, and I haven't really moved back. But moving away makes me love the place more. Um, yeah. And it's like you know, we all in the office go, "Well, my time's worse than your town's. My time's shit than yours." Yeah. But you know, I, I mean, I'm allowed to slag Wrexham off because I'm from Wrexham. But yeah, you, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like I'm, I'm I'm fiercely protective of the place. You know, people like Les Evans, you you, you remember really some a local character just would do anything for anyone and absolute absolutely bonkers. But but you know, a fierce intelligence behind it as well. And totally, yeah. Someone, yeah, and someone who's who's you know who's who's very proud of where they came from and always wanted to to support the club and the town. I mean, just going to back more towards the club. I mean, it's the it's an ownership model like like no other, isn't it? And I don't I don't I think it'd be very hard to replicate it. What's it like when you sort of look under the hood of that? Is it is it all plain sailing or is there sort of is is the club sort of struggling to come to terms with with uh, how big it is at the moment? Yeah, I, I don't think it's all plain sailing. I mean, um, it it's quite hard to. I mean, I mean, the club have been great in terms of helping me to write this book. Sean Harvey, I have to, I have to shout, give him a shout out right up front in the sense that him giving me the chance to well speak to himself, but also speak to a brilliant individual called Steve Horovitz, who listeners yeah. will know who's the financier yeah, yeah, yeah. who made this deal happen and. Um, you know, and, and then and then Steve um, helped me realise I need to try and reach George Dewey, who's Ryan's business partner. Again, Sean really helping me, helping me to sort of to connect with some of these people. You know, um, so but but I think I think where in terms of the teething problems come from it is just that it's just such an accelerated growth, it's such an accelerated yeah. development, and I think it's a classic thing. I think in business where you go from you know, the, the business equivalent will be sort of from small to medium-sized business. I just think, you know, at times you sort of feel that they need, they just need more people. They just need more people to actually be able to kind of deal with the the incredible scale, the torrents of kind of attention, the attention that they're getting really, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, I think, I think, I think that's, that's one of the, that's one of the challenges um, to actually scale up and, you know, never mind buying a new centre forward, but, you know, um you know, getting getting the people, and obviously there have been there have been people who've. Um, I'm thinking about you know we had a, we had a commercial head of media yeah, they walked away, away really yeah. really because you know there was just so much. It was such a kind of a deluge. You know, it was almost it was those jobs became 
you know, very, very difficult to handle in terms of the numbers of people they had in executive roles um, being asked to do them. So I think that's where the challenge comes in. Um, yeah. but I think, I think, um, I think, you know, the connections are that, that Horowitz put Sean, it helped put Sean in place. I think it's been really good to have someone with that kind of football experience. Um, and then I think Les Reed, you know, so you've actually got people who don't allow the kind of the, the criminals who we know exist in football, you know, the agents who'll steal from you to steal from the club. You know, it's given us a sense of stability as we've gone along. Right. I mean, in many ways, this is Sean Harvey's redemption story, isn't it? Because, he, you know, he maligned to a certain degree uh, uh, Leeds, maybe Bradford as well, and the Football League. He's 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 come here and and I think he, there's, there's an actual love for Sean Harvey now, which I, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's probably experienced much before in his in his life. What was he like to deal with sort of one on one? I mean, he's always been like a big a, a mis, bit of a mystery figure for us yeah. on, on this podcast because he's the CEO who isn't the CEO, but basically yeah. runs everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, I think over the last over the last sort of 18 months, certainly the, the narrative on, on, on Sean has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just for me, just being, <clears throat> he's very straightforward. Um, uh, you know, he can be, he can be brusque, uh, you know, in a kind of, that kind of Yorkshire way. Fair enough. Totally fair enough. You, you kind of know totally where you stand with Sean, 100%. But, and that, and there's no but there. There's no qualifying point. You know, he's, 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 he's straightforward. He knows what he wants. Um, um, you know, there's, there's no extraneous detail. He just, and, you know, and he, and he's given me, you know, across the piece seven or eight hours of his time across a number of zooms and meetings to to sit down and and talk through the the granular detail of of, of how all this happened you know um his own involvement his involvement in the uh the actual purchase of the club um the negotiations with um the supporters trust um the involvement of les um yeah you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of detail that 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 he that he's helped me to understand, and because um, I wanted to try and make this a piece of reporting, I didn't want to kind of just to be like, I love Wrexham, so let's just say yeah, how yeah. good it is, you know. So um, yeah, I think I think I don't know about you know redemption, but I think he you know he did he did some great stuff at the you know at the at the EFL. I think you know I. We wouldn't probably. I'm not sure whether be watching. I follow without Sean. I mean, I think that was one of his kind of. Mm. Uh, you know, he's worked on that and on a number of a number of kind of big important sort of issues going on in that world. Yeah, I, I mean, I think more what I mean is the PR of Sean um, has changed because he, you know, I, I don't think people can really disagree that he's done a lot of good work behind the scenes uh, yeah. throughout his time in football. But there were certain elements that, that people always yeah. seized on, which is, you know, Lee yeah. went into administration or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, he was forced I mean, out he's of the kind of, He's been involved in clubs which are, you know, really basket case clubs in some in some yeah. respects in terms of trying to trying to kind of, you know, keep that shit. You know, a flow and keep keep. You know, he's not he's not had kind of benign roles. He did tell me a story about um, coming to Wrexham as uh, company secretary at Scarborough in the back in the day, and you know, being the the local hospitality from the Wrexham board was such that I think he fell asleep on the bus by the time he got to the English border on the way back. They, they, did, they did like a drop back in those days, as they probably still do now. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he sounds like he's had challenging roles, Andy and. Um, and I suppose this one is—it's uh, got its challenges, hasn't it? You know, in a sense oh, that definitely. a lot yeah, of expectation yeah, yeah. and 
And I think one of the interesting one of the interesting aspects of of the takeover really was the quite appropriate and quite justified sort of skepticism, intellectual skepticism on on the on the on the part of the the supporters trust. I mean, like because so you know we're, we we you know they they rescue the club from the abyss after the. The, the, the grim years of Hamilton and, and, and all those that followed Hamilton. Um, and then you get sort of two individuals and we don't even know who they are for quite a long time, uh, you know, arriving and announcing they're going to save the club. So there's, there's, there's a, there was an appropriate level of skepticism there, I think, um, f- from our side. Um, and, um, you know, he, he's, he's had that to contend with as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what was the one sort of thing that really surprised you writing the book, but would be it be, you know, behind the scenes of the club or maybe maybe the town, something maybe you'd forgotten? That... Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's a, a, small, a small thing, actually, which I know is not the sort of thing you're asking me, but it's the mine rescue. Um, yeah, I've heard a, a lot. I mean, talking Honestly, with... Yeah. Uh, the Declan yeah. Swans out in in um, in Philadelphia. This yeah. is something I think the third season of the Doc will really zone in on, and I think it will become yeah. quite a big a big thing for us to uh, to. Yeah, yeah. You know, because so 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 the Mind Rescue Centre is basically, you know, it's 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 just off the mice off Mice Green Road. It's just it's I mean amidst those, you know, Red Brit Terrace sort of back to backs just opposite the ground, and it was basically it used to be. The place where they trained the miners in rescuing each other or rescuing if another Gresford were to happen um, and uh, it was saved from demolition uh, and it now is just such an incredible place where uh, it's a kind of a community hub it's a brilliant cafe it's um, and uh, I mean Humphrey Kerr spent quite a lot of time there Fleur has been there it's just but it actually delivers an awful lot to the town. It, it's benefited an awful lot from the the increased, you know, support for the club. But it delivers an awful lot. Um, so um, Alan and Margaret Jones, who are just key to the preserving the memory of Gresford um, uh, and, and, and the men who died there, and um, that was one thing I didn't know about that place. No. <laughs> uh, so I, I I loved that so much. But I, I suppose you're asking me for something perhaps more. Um, more perhaps on the money in terms of in terms of the club really um i suppose the thing that surprised me was just how challenging it was for the trust to actually i i thought there would just have been a unanimity among you know the trust executives that this was we had this had to happen you know, we all yeah. now know that Robin Ryan is an incredible thing, and it's been great for us. And they've got they've got grace, they've got modesty, they've got they've got self effacement. They're great owners, but um, there were arguments behind the scenes. You know, there were um, disputes, there were zooms that you know people terminated their involvement with because they were furious about the fact that they felt that there wasn't enough transparency about the ongoing process, um, um, and you know. The different sides of that of that argument would have very different views on how the others conducted themselves. Yeah. You know, in some ways, you know, Spencer Harris, who I think is, I do actually think is a hero of this story, mm. um, in terms of doing, you know, making this deal happen. Um, he he would sort of quite rightly point out that if you know if if he and Rob Parry, who he was working with, hadn't made the deal happen, 
you know, how would they be remembered? They would be remembered as the individuals who didn't, they didn't sign the Beatles. <laughs> exactly, 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 yeah. exactly. However, equally, equally saying there were people were saying, well, look, you know, if we don't have this degree of legal representation, if we don't, you know, do this kind of due diligence on this process, then what if they take over and they basically run our club into the into the ground we will never be forgiven for having kind of you know destroyed the club 10 years yeah. on from the aftermath of hamilton so that surprised me and and i actually thought in the early stages of the story that it would be a rather linear sort of story of like ah you know we don't know who these people are and then we know who they are and it, they all lived happily ever after but yeah um, but but it but there was kind of uh struggle and I think, you know, out of struggle, generally, you know, great things can come. So massive respect to Spencer, you know, who I think is a really top individual, but massive respect to those members of the trust who um, fought tooth and nail to make sure this was right for us when we didn't know that it was necessarily going to be what it turned out to be. No, I know. It's, it's, it's never simple, is it? And, you know... We've always got to be watchful as as, as Wrexham fans. We uh, more than more than most clubs, what we've been through, and I think yeah. you know, I think we've got to be we've got to be watchful even when Ryan and Rob are, are here. We still have to ask the the difficult questions, really, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, just sort of to to sort of sum up, um, where is the ceiling for this in in your sort of in your sort of mind as, as a football journalist, as a fan, as a, as a lad from the area, how far do you think we can actually, actually go? Um... It, feels, it feels to me like, I mean, I don't know. It feels to me like, I mean, mathematically, Ryan's, Ryan's statement about why shouldn't we hope for the Premier League, mathematically, there, there is no reason why that shouldn't happen in terms of like the size of ground we'll have, the potential, um, you know, you know, the financial investment we might have beyond them, you know, private equity backing on top of Rob and Ryan or, yeah. you know, the more of the... That life... has to happen at some point, doesn't it? it? Does I mean, Rob and Ryan point. don't have the cash yeah. to take it. So. Yeah, but I sort of, But in terms of, I think, the, re, the, the reality, I think, you know, I sort of feel like you could definitely see us getting promoted to League One. You could see us getting promoted to Championship with a kind of, you know, with a kind of sort of... Uh, kind of corporate backing we're getting sponsorship support that Rob and Ryan drive. I mean, that it's it's a unique model, as you say, whereby never have, have we seen a, a football club within our shores where the, where the, where the main kind of the, the core kind of the, the main benefit or the main asset, I should say, yeah. of, the, of the owners in that sense, you know, that um, so there's nothing to stop us getting, I think, ultimately from League One to Championship. But I think that, for me, is where it stops being like it is now. I think to get to Championship to Premier League, it's like the Wild West, isn't it? You know, it's yeah, like yeah. time spending. Um, I suppose you could say Luton Town have done it. Then, you know, why why shouldn't we do it? But it comes back to something I think we were talking about, you and I, just before we came on, really, which is that, you know, there there is a bit of us that, does yearn for you know our identity as Wrexham fans is one of struggle and kind of sort of black humor and uh you know I don't know losing it easily or whatever I mean my whatsapp group my brother Pete we overtly enjoy it don't we, we do, yeah yeah so I've got my whatsapp group my brother <laughs> Jamie and Dan his lads is uh dorking away 
and uh, you were talking about Braintree away, and um, you know we've not changed the name of that group. You know, and it was in a sense. Yeah. Um, so what? Well, what I sort of slightly fear is that if we do go from, you know, we start to aspire to go to the very top, then, you know, do we do we actually retain what we have as a club? The soul does the soul really stay with us? We don't. We we don't know until it happens, do we? But um, I think. You know, what, the Premier League now is a world of, you know, you're playing, you're, you're basically playing against gold states, aren't you? Sovereign wealth funds of gold states. Mm. Um, it, to me, that just feels like it's not a British league anymore. It's a global league. It's kind of gone, really. Um, and, 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 that, and that league, that coming round again, feels a bit like Groundhog Day to me. You know, who's going to win the football? Who's going to win the Premier League? Manchester City. We kind of know that. Uh, who's going to be relegated? Well, we we know the the, the usual suspects. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of feel like it could go beyond championship, but I mean, and I can't believe we're even having this conversation. <laughs> but I don't really kind of want it to go any. I want to sort of preserve a little bit of what we had. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's almost like get up there, do a season, say we've done it, and then and then battle it out in the championship. Well, seventy eight but... was that. That's what we did. You know, you know, a town of our size has proven in the in the late. In the late seventies, didn't it? That we can exist in the second tier. I mean, it was obviously different, entirely different days. But um, it would be great to get back there again. To, to I think we might have played Spurs in the second division yeah, back in the LZ, days. Yeah, looking yeah, back, or, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, we are we are engaging the rest of North Wales. Uh, I mean, Richard Williams will tell you this. That, you know, it's it's. No longer a Wrexham, everyone's second club in the likes of Bangor. You know. Plan did no real, yeah. you know. It, it's coming to the fact now that that more and more are seeing Wrexham as their first club, and they want to, they want, you know, d- d- they want to be on this on this ride with us. And if you, you yeah. know, I know it was always Rob, Rob and Ryan's sort of dream to sort of engage that whole region of, of a country, and I think they're sort of they're, they're sort of performing it. I think the next thing for us now is to get players from there, you know, to yeah. yeah next stage of our evolution really is to go back to sort of finding that the gems are, at the moment are on their way to Everton. Well, that's right, yeah. Bit, yeah. Les, Les did tell me in, in the last time we spoke for the book that, you know, they were investing in the academy to try and get to Category 1 status and that would really allow them to, you know, to bring in the very best, you know, and to bring in talents. Well, he was talking also about Merseyside and stuff, but let's just hope we can draw them in from... Because let's remember how it started, you know, 78, Joey yeah. Jones, Mickey, you know... Yeah. Uh, Let's. They're they're there, aren't they? They're out there. If we can just find them and and develop yeah. them. I mean, yeah. North Wales has always always used to be the hotbed of, of Welsh football. I think we've moved away a little bit of that for, for for reasons you know that are too complex to explain here. But you know, yeah. if you can say to to the best cream of talent in North Wales, come to play for Ryan and Rob's club, there'll be a you know the, yeah. you'll be you'll be the hometown boy or, so, or or whatever. I think I think that is appealing more to parents than come and get lost in Everton's youth system. Yeah, yeah. And certainly certainly with, with the women's team who 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 I'm a chance to meet Gemma Rowan for this book who yeah. uh, fantastic talk, brilliant, yeah. brilliant 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 conversation. Could have talked sort of for hours longer really with Gemma and but you know there are examples there in 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 that team of players who've gone to play on Merseyside and who've come back who felt like this is where they want to play. This is where they can best develop. So hopefully that that experience for the women can be replicated for for the men. Great, Ian. Absolutely brilliant to talk to you. I'm just going to do. We always do a quick fire round with with when we have a guest on. It's usually players, so you're going to have to 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 uh, to, uh, to answer more as a fan. But of all your time um, supporting Wrexham, who do you think was the most skillful? 
Uh, Mike Lake. Oh, I remember Mike Lake. Yes. Now, I don't know why it was, but there was a period where, I don't know, I just couldn't believe Mike Lake wasn't playing in the First Division or the Premier League, whatever it was at that time, but he just had something on yeah. him and about him that was just immense. I can't yeah. actually, Andy, remember what years we were talking about, but uh, what exactly years he was with it. But I mean, I just, I loved him. I loved him. It was 92, 93. I think it was the promotion season. We got him on loan from Sheffield United. Then we yeah. made, had the mistake of buying him. I'd never seen a guy balloon so much since. Okay, well, I must be remembering the promotion season. That was the one yeah. where we, we, we went up at Northampton. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I remember the night at Northampton because we were only playing on the edge of the cricket pitch at Northampton. So it's incredible that, you know, the tricks life can play in you. One seat, I've been watching them for 30 years or however, however long, 40 years. On the basis of one season, I've just said that Mike Lake is, is, is the all time most skillful, but it only takes a season. No, and it, it's also what, what, to, you know, what becomes an icon for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Is as simple as that. I mean, we talk about Emad all the time. If you think about it, he only played, he only played about ten games for us, but he's absolutely yeah. etched onto my, uh, yeah. onto my, onto my brain. Right. The next one is who do you think is the biggest moaner? That's a good question. Uh, I get the feeling that. Uh, you're going to have to sort of edit this out so that. We haven't got long pauses. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> worry. It's uh, the one that catches a lot of people out. I mean, depending on on the, on the era, there's a Darren Ferguson versus Neil Ashton sort of okay, clash yeah, going yeah. on. I don't know yeah. if you think of it, can think of anyone older than that. Yeah. Okay. Let me think about that. Yeah. Um, we can come back to that one. I actually met. I once met John Roberts from the '78 yeah. team um, at a kids' training day at Plasmadoc. It was there were various players. Uh, you know of that of that time, who would who would the kids could go along and meet them, and there was Joe Corrigan, there was Mickey, there was Phil Neal, and there was John Roberts, and John. I'm going to say John Roberts. I think he could have been because I actually met him in that. I think he might have been a bit of a moaner, Andy. Right. Okay. We'll have to. Well, there's a new name in the frame, and and that is John Roberts. We'll we'll uh, we'll he'll be the uh, he'll be the the go-to one for the older. Fan, thank you. I like to, I like to sort of provide something for the older fan here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Who who of you must have seen people come out of the uh out of the racecourse players tunnel in various states of clubber. Who do you think is the worst dressed? Um, I've seen quite a lot of pictures of Mickey in yeah dress at that time. Um, and um, Flinny once told me a story about how after the ninety two after the Arsenal game in ninety two. That uh, Tony Gubber wanted to take. I think we actually might have even written about this in the in the Fearless and Devotion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he wanted they want Tony Gubber wanted him and wanted Mickey and Flinney to to drive to be driven up to Manchester to do Match of the Day interview on the night of that game. And um, I mean, Flinney sort of basically said that Mickey would not be in a state to do that or appropriately attired to do that. So I think <laughs> I love. I also love Mickey very, very, very much. But maybe Mickey Thomas. Yeah, Does I mean, I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him in some in some interesting gear. I'm going to put. I, he loved the shell suits, even even <laughs> even when they completely weren't in fashion. <laughs> um, and finally, uh, of this sort of section, uh, which player would you least like to fight? Ooh, James McLean. Yeah. I tell yeah. you, I tell you what, I, I, I'd be 
down on the deck in about a nanosecond. Yeah, he, he's an operator. I don't. I don't want to bring it too contemporary. I've only seen him play twice, but um, I would not want to be in a fight with that guy. No, no, yeah. Don't wear a Ranger shirt and and wind him up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, Ian. It's been brilliant talking to you. Before I let you go, we've got two games coming up, so just one one man your predictions on them. So we've got Newcastle in the what do you call it? Auto windscreens. Yeah, uh, windscreens. yeah, whatever. Papa John's is it? Uh, yeah. You expecting a full team there? And what what's your score prediction? Well, let's just say that it would be so very, very sweet to beat the Saudi Arabian-backed uh, yeah. sovereign. Let's let's just say, let's just say three-one. Oh wow, great! Let, yeah. They're going to play there in the twenty-ones. We'll yeah. give a few of our lads a go. So go on, yeah. three-one for that one, yeah. And then we've got Doncaster on Saturday, who haven't yeah. started particularly very well, have they? Uh, but yeah. no, I I think one thing about this this. League, I think there's quality everywhere, and I think any anyone can beat anyone else on a certain yeah. day, which you didn't get in in the conference. So even though they're bottom, tough one, do you think? Yeah, I I taken a lot of encouragement out of the last two games for us. I think we sort of we seem to have just kind of worked out the kind of way you need to play in 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 this division, the physicality that you need. So, um, but I do think we've got a, a, a conceded goal in us for sure. Yeah. So let's just say three two. Okay, another humdinger at the race course. I, I'm going to go similar on that one. I think it's going to be 3-1 against Doncaster. I think it's going to be tighter at Newcastle. I can. I, I don't know. Can you draw in this competition? Is that a possibility? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go for a draw on that. I think it's going to be it's going to be one each. Ian, thank you so much for for talking to us. Have you got a copy of the book you can just show us? So people I do. Yeah, see? I'm going to just step across the room there actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so available yes. on Amazon, uh, all good bookshops, uh, be including the one in town. Um, so, yeah, pick, pick up a copy. Thanks thanks so much for having me on. I, I'm a great fan of the show, and it's, it's a real privilege to be actually on it. So thank you. Thanks so much. Oh, for no, love talking to you. Thanks so much. All right.